and welcome to this episode of Here's a Thought, the blogcast for people who overthink. I'm Jan M. Flynn, an author, blogger, and podcaster who, when I'm thinking about anything, I'm usually overthinking it. If your brain runs on overdrive a lot of the time, I get it. There are times when you just need a brief break from the voices in your head, right? So, once a week, I invite you to relax for a few minutes and listen to the ones in mine. This week, I've been thinking about a recent Twitter thread from Bill Gates, and that got me thinking about billionaires and income disparity and what all that means for those of us who aren't in the top tenth of the one percenters. And that leads me to offer an invitation. Bill Gates, come on down. We'd love to have you with us here in the middle class. You see, Bill Gates is giving away his money. On the Twitter thread I mentioned, he announced that he's giving another $20 billion, yes, that's billion with a B, to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Now, Bill and Melinda are no longer a thing, marriage-wise, but they continue to co-chair their foundation. With their new gift and Warren Buffett's recently announced annual $3.1 billion kick-in, the foundation is now worth about $70 billion. Bill Gates says that the challenges of recent years, worsening climate crisis, pandemic, and the war in Ukraine among them, require a dramatically stepped-up humanitarian response. And this is a good thing. I'm grateful to Bill and to Melinda and to Warren Buffett. They're doing great things with their great wealth. They're setting an example for others, at least for other billionaires. Whether billionaires should even be billionaires is another question. What does any individual do or create that is worth sequestering that much money in a private fortune? Now, I suspect Mr. Gates would think that that's just resentment for the haves by the have-nots. After all, I haven't built a tech industry that has changed the way we all live. And to his credit, Bill Gates has also said his ambition is to become less rich. He's currently at either number four or five on the world's wealthiest individuals list. It's a list he aspires to remove himself from, as he says, eventually. Along with a small number of other uber-rich individuals, including Warren Buffett and George Lucas, Gates's plan is to devote the bulk of his enormous fortune to philanthropy, rather than leaving it all to his kids. In this, he appears to share the same philosophy as Mr. Buffett, who has said, leave the children enough so that they can do anything, but not enough that they can do nothing. But let's be clear— Compared to you and me and everybody we know, no matter how much Bill and Warren give away, they'll still be very, very rich. So will their kids. So, I have a suggestion. With respect, Mr. Gates, may I call you Bill? What if you take your wealth divestment strategy even further? After you've endowed your foundation with enough money to keep it going in perpetuity, and you've left your kids the ten million or so that you consider enough, of course— how about you join us here in the middle class? We'd love to have you. And you might find that life in the middle of the pack offers real benefits. Think of the simplicity. You won't need multiple estates or horse ranches in Florida or a list of properties scattered all over the country, if not the globe. Here in the middle class, you only need one house. Or maybe one house and a family cabin at a nearby lake. But really, that'll be plenty. Sure, it might be a bit of an adjustment downsizing from a place like Xanadu 2.0, the Gates family home on Lake Washington, 
I mean, 66,000 square feet is a lot of breathing room. But consider the time and effort you'll save, not having to maintain all that, as well as not having to schlep back and forth between it and all your other homes. Trust me, you can learn to live in 2,400 square feet, or even 1,800, or less. It's cozy, and it's much easier to find your glasses. And with only one house, you won't need multiples of everything. Clothes, cars, Roombas, spice racks. And you won't have much use for a private jet anymore, either. Think how much smaller your carbon footprint will be. And you can get along without personal staff. Oh, you might have a house cleaner and a lawn service. Some of us middle-class folks do. But that's really it. No personal assistants, no house managers, no private chefs and their minions always rattling around the house. In that sense, the middle class actually offers more privacy. And it's conducive to functional fitness. You want a glass of artisanal water or a kombucha? You get it yourself. If you want a personal trainer, buy a gym membership. You're middle class, you can afford it. Maybe. True, your current assistant's because we don't say servants anymore, we'll be out of a job. But I'm thinking you can find them positions on your foundation staff. And wait, there's more. Being middle class offers social interactions that you just don't get at the tippy top of the economic pyramid. Just think of the adventures in popular culture that await you. Shopping at Target. Flying commercial, wait till you try economy class. Meeting folks while standing in line at Chipotle driving your own car almost all by yourself. Your social life will change, too. Less fundraising galas, more backyard barbecues. Casual conversations at the dog park. You do have a dog, don't you? Chatting with neighbors who walk past your house. Because you will actually have neighbors who live close enough to your house to walk past it. Now, I'm not suggesting that it's all pickleball and block parties down here. You will still be worried about climate change and the war in Ukraine. You will certainly fret over the state of the nation. But you'll find other issues grabbing your attention. Mostly, these will have to do with trying to remain in the middle class. Because that part's not getting any easier. For instance, if you really go whole hog on this experiment and maybe acquire some kids who don't each have a $10 million legacy— I promise that you will no longer worry about them having too much money. You'll be gnashing your teeth over whether they can afford to go to college, or if they'll ever have the down payment for a house. You'll worry that, as modest as your lifestyle is now, your kids won't be able to attain it. And you'll be exquisitely aware that one wrong move on their part, or one twist of fate, a poor decision, a badly timed layoff, a health crisis, can demote them from middle class to struggling. And then, do you bail them out by taking on a second mortgage or otherwise sinking yourself further in debt? Or do you wish them luck and keep your tenuous grasp on your middle class status so you don't become a burden to those kids later on? Speaking of later on, even you, Bill, would surely like to retire someday. If you're serious about the full middle class experience, You'll want to draw down your portfolio until you have an amount saved for retirement that matches the middle-class average, which ranges from $107,000 to $168,000, depending on whether you trust the Government Accountability Office or a recent Consumer Affairs survey. And I'd venture to guess your wine collection is worth more than that. I did say it would be an adjustment. Income disparity looks different now, doesn't it? 
You are a very smart person, Bill. The issue of income inequality is one you're aware of, and globally, it's one which your foundation seeks to have an impact on. You're doing more than most rich folks, and more than even some governments, to eradicate extreme poverty. But now that you've joined the middle class, you've given up your position in the top 0.1% of Americans. Now, to be clear, I'm referring here to economic status, not character or innate worth. It's kind of gross how we confuse those things, isn't it? Anyway, when Elizabeth Warren and others remind you that the wealth owned by the billionaire class, the top one-tenth of one-percenters, is just about equal to the collective wealth shared by 90% of Americans, it hits you where you live. Honestly, it pisses you off. Because it's not just that the uber-rich have gotten richer, it's that they've done so at the expense of the rest of us. They haven't so much created new wealth for themselves as they've redistributed it upwards. A 2020time.com article by Nick Hanauer and David M. Rolfe explained how the top 1% of Americans have in fact taken 50 trillion, that's trillion with a T, dollars from the bottom 90%. Now, income inequality hasn't always been so out of whack. The post-World War II decades, roughly from the mid-1940s to the mid-1970s, had much more equitable distribution. And as Hanauer and Rolf point out, if that had held steady, the aggregate annual income of Americans earning below the 90th percentile would have been $2.5 trillion higher in the year 2018 alone. And that would be enough to pay every single working American in the bottom 90% an additional $1,144 a month. Every month. Every single year. For non-billionaires, that much more in the paycheck isn't just budget dust. It's life-changing. And now that you have to fill up your own gas tank and do your own grocery shopping, you know what I'm talking about, right, Bill? Okay, I admit it. Things aren't so rosy down here. Home prices are up 20%, and everything else costs an average of 8.5% more than it did a year ago. Meanwhile, average hourly wages adjusted for inflation are down by 2.7%. People all over the country are indeed pissed off and worried, feeling insecure about their own finances and their kids' futures, if they even think they can afford to have kids. Anger, insecurity, fear hopelessness. None of that is good for democracy. So I have another suggestion, Bill. Forget what I said about joining the middle class. It's not like you were about to take me up on it anyway. But how about, in addition to all the good work your foundation is doing in developing countries, you do something else too? What if you make it your goal to reform income disparity here at home, to end the current Gilded Age and return to the more balanced wealth distribution of the post-war era. In 2019, the Economic Policy Institute reported that CEO compensation had grown 940 percent since 1978. During the same time, worker pay rose 12 percent. And in 1965, CEOs earned an average of 20 times what their workers did. Nowadays, CEOs make 370 times as much as their workers. This is a problem, Bill. It's a great big, hairy, badly behaved elephant in the room. Income disparity on this scale strangles dreams 
and it adds to the diseases of despair that have soared in the U.S. for over ten years. It creates fear and rage and division. It threatens the stability of our country. Truth be told, Bill, the middle class is in a mess, and it'll take some real innovation and heavy-duty investment to fix it. And it will need people to lead by example. People like you, Bill. You'll still be welcome at my barbecue. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Here's a Thought with Jan M. Flynn. All views expressed are entirely my own, but check the show notes for links to articles and information sources. I do my homework, I promise. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to Here's a Thought wherever you get your podcasts and leave a positive review or a star rating if you can and tell your friends about the show. It really helps build our audience. So until next time, may you enjoy the security of having all you need and some of what you want. And may all your thoughts be good ones.